welcome to Gaining to Give, the podcast where money meets meaning. I'm Josh Roche, wealth advisor, founder of the Roche Group, and your host. Every week, we'll dive into practical tips, stories, and strategies that I hope help add purpose to your finances. Thanks so much for joining me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Okay, well, welcome, guys, to episode four of Gaining to Give. I'm Paige, and this is Josh. If it's your first time tuning in, we are glad you're here. Um, Today's topic is one that I am personally interested in, and it is how to begin investing. So if you know me, I know nothing about investing, which is funny that I am here. So I'm glad Josh is here to just kind of give us a little bit of wisdom and expertise on that. So Josh, do you kind of want to kick off a little bit? um, Just what is investing? Yes. Super excited to talk about this episode. I live and breathe this world all the time. So sometimes I get sick of talking about it, but it's the morning. So I'm excited to begin (laughs) investing. You can think of it just as simply as saving money and then allowing that money to grow for you, you know, diversifying it. If you are working a job and creating some income for yourself, investing allows for your money to grow and add to that sum of money in a very basic term. Perfect. Amazing. Okay. So one of the things that we want to talk about today on this podcast that I was really interested in as we were kind of brainstorming and like what we wanted this to be about was common myths that people have around investing. So I think probably a big hurdle people have before they even want to get started investing, they have to kind of wrap their minds around, okay, like these are all the reasons why I wouldn't do that or why I think it's a bad idea or X, Y, and Z. And I'm sure you've heard a running list of reasons for people throughout the <laughs> yes. years. But one of the ones that I hear a lot um, is it is too complicated. Mm-hmm. Investing is too complicated. So what would you say to that to kind of combat that? Yes. This has shifted over the last 40 years. Spoiler alert, I haven't been around for 40 years. But <laughs> as you dig back in, investing used to be, you know, you bought stocks and bonds in companies that you want to support. Coca-Cola, for example. I drink a lot of Coca-Cola. Maybe I should buy some stock. So as I'm buying Coca-Cola, I get to maybe have a reward as their revenue goes up and that stock price goes up. It's shifted away from that and it's become easier to access investing. You have apps like Robinhood and Fidelity and Vanguard that are advertising on television and saying, oh, you can start with as little as $3 or $10 or $5. There's also with the worldwide internet, so much data and research available tutorials and walkthroughs that help educate someone on how to begin investing, just like we're doing here. So the exciting thing is maybe this was at some point a complicated topic and by all means, investing can get complicated, but it doesn't need to start to be complicated. We can be here. You can explain all the complicated (laughs) things. (laughs) Exactly. As your, as your net worth and your income and your situation becomes more complex, it is beneficial to hire somebody to help you with those things. But Just to get started, investing does not have to be complicated, but it is a common myth. So many people think, oh my gosh, I don't understand a thing about it. And we have this complex that when we don't understand something, we oftentimes run away from it or avoid it. And sometimes I think that's good. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good thing. You know, sometimes if you don't understand something, you you should run away from it. Mm -hmm. But in this case, don't be intimidated. It does not need to be complicated. And we're going to give you some good tips today to make it not complicated for you so you can begin. I think it's awesome and a good, good intro, a good way to kind of ease people's minds going into it. I think yeah. kind of what you're saying, people rightly so are a little hesitant with their money. Sure. And so as many myths as you can kind of debunk for their sake, the better. So the second one, you kind of touched on it a little bit when you talk about the apps, but is 
I have to have a lot of money to start investing or have to have a lot of expendable income or money to invest yeah. to start. So what would you say to that? What does that kind of look like? This is probably one of the most common myths or objections or just concerns we get. Mm-hmm. Somebody maybe doesn't want to reach out to our office because, oh, only rich people use a financial planner or, oh, you have to have so much money or, oh, it costs a lot. And I'm here to tell you that it does not take much money to begin investing. It does not take a big, huge salary or a big net worth to say this is something that should be important to us. You know, just like in our last episode where we talked about generosity and how it begins early on, you walk into the gym and you don't pick up the 50-pound dumbbells. You start with five-pounders or two-pounders or you start with a band or just your body weight. Same thing here. When you begin investing, it's probably not going to be $10,000 a month that you're putting away. It might be $100 a month. It might be $25 a paycheck. Something to begin. And the neat thing is that so many of these apps and technology have made it accessible and easy to begin with so little. So no, it doesn't take a whole lot to invest. It uh, begins with just a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was neat. I was talking to some high school seniors in Mustang recently, a few months back, and we were talking about financial responsibility. And so I was brought in just to share a few tips and ideas. And it was really neat. I talked about this concept of buying a new car or buying a used car from the time that you're 20 until the age 90. And I just used, I think, a Honda Accord, maybe I'm a big Honda guy. And I looked, average price of a 10-year-old Honda, 15000 Average price of a new, new Honda, 30000 Let's say you buy a new car every 10 years, and every time you're faced with that decision, you choose to buy used or buy, buy new. The difference between that of $1,500 a year, $15,000 spread over 10 years, that's just a little bit over $100 a month. Any idea what that accumulates to over if you start at age 20 and end at age 90? I have no idea. Well, if you've got an average rate of return of, let's say, about 8%, it is over $4 million. That difference makes. And that's only about $100 a month. And so the neat thing is, although it's now accessible to invest with very little, a, a next common objection we get is, what is this going to amount to? What is $25 a paycheck really going to do? Mm-hmm. Ask your parents, ask your grandparents, ask your uncles and aunts, hopefully somebody that has invested where they started. And I guarantee, well, guarantee is probably a bad word because you probably can find some bad examples. But <laughs> I think that those that have been invested for a long time will tell you that, again, time, when you need time on your side, even starting with a little bit can be accumulating to a lot. I think that's great. Well, I think, too, one of the things we hear about with people investing is people are a little bit shameful if they don't have a lot to invest. Yes, and it's a topic definitely. that kind of comes wrong with either you have like student debt or you yes. just kind of aren't in the financial situation. And so I think something that's important to remember there is kind of like what you were saying is everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you're not going to get anywhere big if you don't start small and just kind of that idea. Yes, it's got to start somewhere. And if we keep putting it off, the bummer is, you know, the biggest factor that the biggest factor we have on our side is time. Mm-hmm. And so as we choose to say, no, I'll wait, no, I'll wait, no, I'll wait to get started year after year after year, we're just losing a lot of opportunity, a lot of opportunity for growth. Yeah, absolutely. One of the other things that we hear a lot, especially I think from a lot of um, the big news stories about investing that have come up recently is that investing is a lot like gambling and people mm-hmm. kind of treat it that way. And so what would you say to that? Because I feel like I've seen that kind of play out a lot, especially the past couple sure. of years. Oh, yeah. I think about recent headline stories like 
if you followed along the GameStop and the AMC saga. Mm -hmm. It's almost been something that is a popularity contest. Like, oh, I'm investing. Did you buy that stock? Are you participating in this? Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder for us and a good lesson that investing does require discipline Mm -hmm. and investing should be lovingly boring. (laughs) I think that we've gotten caught up into creating investing something like gambling or something like an exciting adventure of either make a thousand percent or lose it all. And that's just not how investing should be. In my opinion, it's slow, it's steady, it's boring. That way we feel confident we're going to see growth and not wake up one day to our investment significantly lower than where we, we should be. And I think that's a great, a great thing. Cause I think there's kind of two sides to that point is people that want it to be really risky and flashy yes. and fun. On the other side of that, you have people that think, okay, that's too risky. I don't want to invest my money because I don't want to risk losing it. And yeah. so you were just kind of talking about how it's kind of a longevity process. So mm-hmm. what would you kind of say to those people that are kind of more timid with their money? Yeah, great question. I think that it's remembering that investing is not the same for everyone. Somebody, every individual has their own unique risk tolerance, as we call it. And that's just how comfortable you are with watching your money rise and fall. When we invest Traditionally, it's not going to be just like a bank account where you wake up every morning and there's the same amount unless you spent some on the debt card or maybe once a month you get some interest. You're going to see the value of your investments fluctuate, sometimes up, sometimes down. And so having a good understanding of how comfortable you are with those fluctuations helps you build an appropriate portfolio. And somebody at the same age, Paige, you and I are similar in age, we might have totally different portfolios because age is one factor, but our levels of comfort with risk and fluctuation may be significantly different. And so investing does not have to be something that is high risk. It can be something very simple that just allows for accumulation for your money to grow without you having to go out and spend more hours working a job. No, absolutely. And I think something that's neat about it and that we've touched on a little bit is how, like you were saying, it's very customizable to your wants, your needs, your plans. And that's something I think is a benefit to having a financial planner is that they are able to kind of cater that for you. Indeed. Yes. They're able to look at your situation to help you understand. In a later episode, we'll talk about the emotions and investing, but in many studies they've done on what value financial advisors, financial planners add, one of the biggest value adds that was quantified in a percentage, and I'll, I'll botch this study, but... In general, it talked about one of the greatest tools or advantages of using a financial planner is helping you remove emotions from your investment decisions that we as human beings tend to act on our emotions, right? And investments going up, our tendency is we got to go buy more of that investment. You know, oh my gosh, GameStop went from $10 a share to $300 a share. That's 30 times. What if it does again? I need to buy into it now. And we, we lead with our emotions rather than with logic. A lot quicker to grab control of our things when we have emotions tied yes. to us. Yeah. And yeah. likewise, we see something that's going down in value and our gut tells us, oh my gosh, you need to sell. Get out. You're going to lose all your money. And that may or may not be the case. And so that's one of the biggest values is is the, you know, helping to remove emotion from our own decisions. Yeah. And just that peace of mind too. Like I think one of the big things that we've talked about in busting all these myths and talking about these different things is just the heart behind it is wanting to give you peace of mind yes. in investing and wanting to kind of mitigate those fears and those reservations. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. So going forward after, if someone was listening to this podcast, like, okay, I feel better. I feel good about investing. I'm ready to start. What would be some good first action steps for someone who knows nothing about investing? Great question. 
I think it starts by learning more and you can do that in a variety of ways. You can find a financial planner that you're friends with to ask some questions, to go and just maybe meet and learn some more. You could find a friend that's really experienced in it. But again, don't just listen to them, listen to a friend, buy this, buy that, make it your own, do your own research, find out more. There's a ton of helpful news sources like Morningstar and Yahoo Finance, even some of the larger brokers like Fidelity and Vanguard will give a lot of education on what does it look like to build a good diversified portfolio? How do I measure the risk in my portfolio to know what can I expect? And so there is a ton of great resources out there and it's got to start by you learning about those resources. So whether it's talking to somebody that you trust, digging in online, um, and then again, it's just beginning somewhere. You know, Don't allow this to be something that you keep kicking the can down the road over and over again. If, oh, I'll start that when my paycheck goes up or I'll start that when I start to control my budget or I'll start that in my 30s or my 40s or whenever it might be. The time is now to start and to begin and build that muscle because that's the only way that it grows. Absolutely. I think that's great. Any other final thoughts before we close out? I don't think so. I think that it's good to just remember uh, and go back to a few of the myths that we talked about and hopefully busted that investing does not have to be complicated. I think you can make it simple and systematic and just recurring, remove that emotion from it. I think it's good to remember that it does not take a lot of money. It can start with as simple as $25 a month that you're just regularly investing and allowing that to grow towards a future purpose. I think it's also important to remember that you are investing with discipline and not with a gambling mentality, not with a mentality of excitement. It is okay in this case for this to be boring as it should be. So I hope this was helpful, some important information for you. I hope that you'll take this and share it with somebody as again, that's the purpose of this podcast is to help provide education to you that can be shared with many others so that as we all get together and gain more knowledge and understanding that we're sharing that with others that could use it as well. Thanks so much for joining us today. We sure appreciate you showing up and listening to this episode and supporting us in this journey. I'd also like to thank Mike Pfeiffer for his expertise in editing this podcast and getting it live. And lastly, don't forget, the more you give, the more you gain. See you next Wednesday. Thanks for tuning in to the Gaining to Give podcast. As a reminder, there are some important disclosures in the description of this podcast for you to check out. Thanks for being here.